Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back once again to another Minutes with Mute, presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. Uh, excited to have you on board. Scott Mutrin joins us. Also, before we get to that, I'd like to remind everybody, if you're a BC football fan, you got to join the BC Football Gridiron Club. That's bcfootballgridiron.com. So Scott Mutrin joins us. He's a BC former QB, star QB, uh, silent reporter now in the Learfield IMG Network. And as we bring Scott in, Scott, uh, tough one, as I mentioned, BC loses to Virginia Tech 40-14 to on the road. Uh, BC falls to three and two, two and two, and you know I, I thought it was a good opportunity, Scott, to finally, finally something we haven't got since 2007 get a road win against a top 25 team. But uh, unfortunately, that streak will continue on. Yeah, it was it was unfortunate. The the, the sad thing is, or disappointing thing is, is, that they came out so well and moved the ball down the field, and then you know when you turn the ball over in three of your first four possessions, it's especially on the road in a conference game against the top a twenty top twenty five team, it's really tough to win. And I think what what you see there is that when you put yourself behind that eight ball, uh, it just makes it difficult to stay in that game uh, as long as long as they can and as long as they did. And when you give up twenty points off turnovers, that's that's not a winning recipe. Yeah, obviously five turnovers versus zero. That's that's a tough one for BC. But also, what's the rushing game really struck out to me again. Virginia Tech had 41 carries, 350 yards. BC had 25 carries for 90 yards. What what went wrong in that part of the offense? Well, that's that's the thing that you, you watch. You, you knew it on defense. You know, you, Virginia Tech wants to run the football. That is their that is their strategy. That's their mo. They run for 300 yards a game. And then Hooker, they get him back full time as the starter, but. He's not the, a quarterback that BC has seen this year, whether it's Sam Howell um, and even, you know, in Texas State, um, you know, they and even Kenny Pickett, you know, there's guys that they'll run the football to extend plays, but they're not the rushing threat that you had. And that was the first time BC really faced such a dynamic uh, running attack from the quarterback position. And they just didn't do a good job of kind of staying in their gaps and, and, and really uh, staying disciplined in, the, in their in their rush. I think uh, Virginia Tech exploited them with a lot of cutbacks, and they were able to to bounce some runs and, and get to the edge. And when you're trying to defend a run, a rush, a running team like Virginia Tech, you really got to force everything back to the inside where you have some help from your guys, and not really give them the opportunity to get to the outside where they can extend and make some big plays. Um, offensively, I think it's just that stat is a little deceiving for the fact of if you look at the beginning of the game, they ran the ball very well. Uh, the problem was that the running backs just didn't hold on to the football. Yeah. And, you know, once you get behind in a game like that, the, the terms dictate themselves where you kind of, if you're looking to, to catch up, you have to be able to, you know, you had to kind of scrap the running game and then you just really had to throw the ball to stay in the game. And that's when you put it all on Phil Dracovic's uh, shoulders and, and they re- really weren't able to run the football as much as they wanted to as the, you know, as kind of everything went, went along. And, and that's, that's why you know that that kind of happened in that. But you look at it, it's 25 rushing attempts for 90 yards. 
that average is better than what they've been putting up this year. It's just unfortunate that they were already behind and they couldn't um, and, they, and they couldn't really stick to that balance game plan. What about Cahill Herbert? We saw him last year, right, versus Kansas, and now he transferred to Virginia Tech, so two years in a row. <laughs> yeah, I know, too. Back to back, it was like deja vu all over again. This guy is killing us. I would say, I guess, right? So, yeah, um, yeah he's, he's a dynamic back, and he's really proved, you know, really proved himself uh, as one of the, the top running backs that are out there. And, and BC just didn't do a good enough job of containing him and Hooker. Those are the two guys that really did a lot of the damage. And uh, he's a, he's a special running back, and you know, expect to see him probably playing on Sunday. Wow, yeah, that's impressive. So Jakovic, always like to get your perspective. As you mentioned earlier, as a former QB, twenty eight fifty one. 345 yards, as you mentioned, forced to throw a lot in a comeback fashion. But uh, like to, like I said, I always like to get your take. How do you think he performed uh, down in Blacksburg? Um, probably not up to expectations. You have the, you know, the second bubble. Was, there's a little miscommunication between him and Hunter Long where um, you know there's a motion that either didn't was too late or too early. And then Phil was trying to get the ball to David Bailey. And in his haste, he just kind of threw it to him when in essence at that point, you just gotta kind of live and do the next play, and probably should have just eaten it or tried to run it himself, but probably should not have tried to, to pitch that, and then you see the interception, and it looked like he got caught between throwing that deep post and, a, and an over route, and he didn't really locate it well, and then the last one was just kind of, you're forcing, uh, you know, you're forcing things at the end, because you're trying to make a play, because you're down, you're down, you just need to get points, try to get on the board, so then on the off, excuse me, the defensive side for Boston College. Um, I mean, I'm interested, Scott, to get your take. It seemed like they did okay. Obviously, the floodgates kind of opened the turnovers, but how do you uh, kind of grade out the BC's defense? Um, you know, they weren't put in great positions when you when you turn the ball over like that. Yeah. you have to, um, and you have to play. You know, extended snaps, and you have to in your own territory. It doesn't really help the defense. You know, ideally, if you're going to give the offense the ball, you're going to want to have them travel the long field. And I think they did a good job on early in the game when they got Virginia Tech and went in on first and second down and forced them into third long and they had to, to throw the ball, which is not what they like to do. They actually did a really good job. But when, when you're stuck having to defend in your own territory because of that, it, it, you really put a lot of strain on that defense. And, you know, they did a good job of limiting some, you know, to some field goals at the beginning. But at the end, it's just it's too much to ask when you turn the ball over that much to put put that much on their shoulders. Okay, as we turn the page now, and uh, Georgia Tech versus Clemson. Wow. So BC plays Georgia Tech next week. Uh, two weeks they play Clemson. But that game, Scott, I don't know if you caught any of that, 73-7 to over Georgia Tech, a conference foe. That, that score... I mean, that's the largest margin in ACC history. I was able to watch some of that and see Trevor Lawrence is just really coming through yeah. and really showing just his, you know, outstanding play. And, and they're just, they're a loaded team. And once they get on a roll, um, they're tough to stop. And I think you kind of, you're at this stage where you're looking at like, all right, who kind of had a, like, what, who had a worse week? Right. You know, is Georgia Tech looking at that going, wow, 73 to 7, that's tough or looking at oh my god we lose on the road 40 to 14 so both teams are going to be kind of sore and not necessarily in the physical aspect yeah. but probably from the mental aspect of the beating that I'm, I'm sure that they see on, on tape and seeing the mistakes that they made but that's the beauty of football is that you got the the next week is right there and the 
the next opponent is up there and you have to compete. And I think the biggest issue for both of these teams coming into this week is don't let one game uh, turn into two losses. You know what I mean? It's like if you if you focus on all the negatives that happened into that, you can really uh, it could snowball and kind of steamroll you in the negative direction. You got to kind of be willing to, to move past it and work past it and just go, hey, listen, we made some mistakes, but we're going to bounce back and we're going to execute and we're going to be better. It's all about improving. If you're if you're not getting better throughout the year and learning from your mistakes and, and avoiding those critical mistakes and, and improving, then that's a sign of a good team. But if you, you let it get to you and you stagnate, then it ends up negatively affecting you. And I don't know about you, but I'm really interested to see how head coach Jeff Halfley, to your point, handles this week in this team because this is kind of like the first moment of adversity this year that you know they lost to unc but that was a tough unc they played well at home most people are like okay but this virginia tech game no fans down in blacksburg you thought hey this is a good opportunity to win bc you know didn't perform well let's be let's be honest so this is i like to see how halfley kind of rallies the troops and you're right kind of limits the damage and limits the blood and uh just turns it around here i think this is a good chance and good opportunity uh for this first year head coach and like to get your thoughts Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Coach Halfley made some really good points in his post-game comments and in the next, you know, the next day after that press conference where he's saying, listen, I'm not going to change who I am. I'm not after, you know, win or loss. If I, you know, if I change who I am and how I coach, then the the players will see through that. He goes, I don't want to get too high um, after that win, and and I don't want to pretend like this loss is the end of the world. I think that mindset is really helps to get your teammate, to get your team to buy into the message and everything that you're saying. And I really think that uh, I was really encouraged to hear that because, you know, as a coach, you kind of live week to week and, and you see that and it's hard not to get caught up in the emotion of it, but his perspective on it really is uh, an impressive, impressive for any coach, let alone a first year head coach. And, and I really like to see that because he's not dwelling on that. Um, and he's not going to change who he is and how he, he coaches the team. And, and that right there is how you get your team to come together and buy into your message, and that was really impressive. I, I think if they come out this week and have a great game, it's a really a testament to him and his leadership. What should we look out for, from your opinion, specifically of Georgia Tech? Obviously, you mentioned tough loss. Uh, what 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 do what type of offense do they run first of all? And you know uh, this is no more the uh, Paul Johnson's team. So what what can we expect from the Yellow Jackets of Georgia Tech? Yeah, they've kind of they're changing the dynamic. They got a, a very good freshman quarterback who uh, is very talented and is, is playing. So you have a young quarterback that um, you know they have the personnel that's dictated to uh, you know to put some of Paul Johnson's scheme. So they're kind of in transition there. So for them, they you know they're they're probably a couple of years away from really kind of getting their whole kind of class and, and the personnel that they want. So. Um, I think that you're you're going to see a team that's transitioning, and they're going to have they're not quite where they want to be, but there's some talent there, and they've competed. If you look at their other games, you got to be willing to take out the the Clemson game and look at it for uh, kind of you know 
what they are versus some of their other opponents. And you're going to see some athletes out there. They're, they're talented. They're definitely using a little little more spread, a little more drop back. I mean, they're definitely throwing the football more than they had when, uh, <laughs> the option. with Paul Johnson there. So uh, their quarterback is, is good, and he and he's young. But, you know, BC can pressure him and, and get him to make some mistakes, especially, you know, at home, then then they, they should be in a good position. I think they should be able to move the ball versus Virginia Tech, and I expect them to really – uh, kind of bring home and pound that running game that they were having some success with at the beginning of the Virginia Tech game. And I think that they'll be, um, I think you're going to see them, you know, kind of come out with, with that tough mindset and be able to move the ball, um, both running and throwing it. And a really good opportunity is obviously Clemson in two weeks. For the Eagles, you want to, you know, nail down a W here and kind of, and then kind of roll the dice and see what happens with uh, Clemson in Death Valley. Yeah, you can't really look forward towards next week, towards Clemson. Um, that's that's next week, and that's something you, you'll practice and get ready for for that. But the, the mindset needs to be 100% on Georgia Tech and the Yellow Jackets right now. So they they need to to really just focus on this and get back on the right track and deal with Clemson when the time's right. But like I said before, is don't don't let last week's game affect this week, or don't let it affect next week. You can only play who, who you got right now, and they can't really uh, – He's looking too far ahead, and they really just need to, to to come out and clean up some of the mistakes that they've made, and really focus on uh, on stopping Georgia Tech on defense and, and being better on uh, you know inconsistently stopping the run, and then I think offensively just to establish some balance and be able to do that because the better they run the ball, the more effective they're going to be throwing the football. And your the great thing that you've seen in these last couple weeks is the development of the receiving core. I mean, you see you see Galloway. Lewis, you see, um, uh, oh my God, I'm, I'm blanking. Um, uh, Jalen Gill, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jalen Gill, Gil, who yep. had a great game against Virginia Tech. You're seeing viable options come on, to, on top of not just Zay Flowers and Hunter Long. And Jalen Gill is a guy that I think as the year goes on, he's only going to get better. So I, I think you're really seeing some playmakers in that side uh, of the ball. And it's exciting to see all these different weapons really emerge. And no, you know, no Colby White too. I mean, we lost him to begin the year too. So that, I know it's deep. crazy, right? Look at all these other guys that are stepping up and making plays. You know, and now just to wrap it up, uh, interesting news and Kyle Trump as a whole. Bowl games this year, Scott. I don't know if you heard. There's no winning um, amount of games requirement minimum. Usually, it's six or five and seven are the worst. So that kind of you know, that's not great news for Boston College because. I know a lot of these bulls, southern schools, bigger fan. You know, well, I guess they don't really have fans anymore. But I, I don't know. I, I'm this. I know 2020 is kind of a throwout year to begin with. But uh, you know, you got to have some sort of winning requirement to make a bowl. I would think six and six, five hundred. The problem is big. The Big Ten, they don't play as many games. Pac-12. Just to kind of like get your thoughts on all this and with the bowl season. Yeah, down the road. I mean, like you said, it's. I don't want to use the term throwaway, but it's just a different environment. Yeah, and it, it is what it is. I mean, you can't. You can only control what's, you know, what you can control, and worrying about where you're going to get selected in a ball game to do that is just kind of wasted energy. I you're think right. Coach Hafley would say the same thing. Um, yeah, it's disappointing that they do that, but I mean, in the end, um, if, if everyone seems to probably be able and eligible to play based on the teams that have not played, so be fortunate enough that even if you do get a chance to play in a ball game, that you do it and just enjoy the moment and enjoy this, this season as best you can with your teammates because. Whatever happens this year is something that you're able to kind of take with you, no matter what, and it'll be a, a great memory for them wherever they play and whatever they do. So I don't think they're too caught up in that. That's something that 
beyond their control. I think they're they're yeah, they're the people like us right now is to just have the best season that they possibly can, and wherever they end up, they'll end up and, and they'll be ready to go. And I also want to remind fans there is a Fenway Park Bowl this year, so you would think, and this I know we're I'm just speculating, but you would think COVID, you want to stay close to home, that could be a destination. But you're right, Scott, way way that too. Be a bad, yeah, that wouldn't be a bad commute, but uh, you know. <laughs> Stay warm, right? <laughs> I think it will help football in, in Boston as well. I mean, you're you're looking, to, you know, not to get historical here, but you're besides, you know, Boston College is really the only main Division One program in this area. With you know BU and Northeastern not having programs, Harvard's obviously in a different kind of situation. They're not having season either, but it does bring the limelight to, to Boston College football, and I think uh, and football in this area, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, I think the more and more. Um, it around and you see these teams come through you'll get more and more people to to see games come to games follow teams and you know as as the generation goes through with boston college being that big you know that big school in this area that is competing on that level i think that's that's only a good thing for them in the future all right scott last question of course you, you know fans might not know but you're you guys call the games from chestnut hill on the road this year so take us behind the scenes what was the press box food like in your in the booth, uh, what was the the menu for us last oh, week, last Saturday? Oh, we were there, the only people in there, and uh, Wegmans has done a good job of feeding us. They're changing up the, the menu a lot. This past weekend we had some dynamic subs, which were absolutely uh, tremendous. Nice. I came I came very hungry, and it was, I, was, I was very fortunate enough to have uh, some, some food there. But then Meter, actually, I know it's surprising, he actually brought people. Uh, from Pino's, so we had some Pino's pizza as well. So um, I was a happy camper. I walked in there, and I don't think I said four words to anybody before. Uh, you know, for the first twenty minutes, I was too busy shoveling food in my face. So, <laughs> so that was nice to have, and it was good to have some some variety. But the Wegmans has done a good job, and they had some great chocolate chip cookies, which we had to uh, wrestle away from Meter because he tries he tends to eat those sweets uh, a lot. So, um, you know. Pete and um, and Chach and I had to do our best to try to distract Meter so he wouldn't hog all the cookies. There you go, man. Pizza and cookies. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't bad. It would have been nice if there was a couple Miller Lights or something, but, you know, <laughs> hey, that's what you got to do. The water had to do. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Scott. Appreciate the time. As always, thank you. I appreciate it, Mike. Thanks a lot. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm. Based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum, CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com.